All right, everybody. Welcome back. We are live. We have baseball. There's finally been an agreement, and Ryan's about to go over those details right now. So let's get into it. I am like at a loss for words right now because like I I have been so like upset recently over just like baseball being gone because like I'm not into like anything else. So like I'm still kind of at a loss for words. But yeah, like you said, finally an agreement. Uh, so we'll go into the, the big details right now. The luxury tax threshold, if I, if I recall correctly, is going to start at 230 million. And then by the end of the five year CBA, it's going to go up to 242 million. They might've bumped that up to 244 actually, uh, in the final year. So that really good movement there. They made a big concession with that, uh, pre-arbitration pool. Basically, how that works is the top, what was it, like 50 players in war that are before uh, arbitration. 30? 30, yeah. Top 30, 30 players in war uh, prior to their arbitration years. There's going to be a, a pool of money set aside for them. And based off of where they finish, they're going to get a certain percentage of that pool. At, I, I don't know if it's added to or if that's like going to be their pay but either way you know that means you know the younger guys are gonna get paid more obviously there was a huge huge increase in minimum salary it's going to start at 700k this year and then by the end of the cba it's going to be at 780 uh awesome movement there um in terms of dates i believe april 5th to april 8th is going to be uh opening like i don't know even what to call it like opening week, I guess it's like that three day period where every team's going to be playing their first games. Spring training is going to start, I believe on the 17th. And uh, yeah, those are, those are the major dates for when games are going to start. And then as for the immediate timeline, so what's going to happen is they've agreed upon it. Now, now the owners who presented the deal have to also agree on it, which is kind of like, a formality since they already presented it they're going to accept it it would be absolutely hilarious and unsurprising if for some reason they didn't though they if they rejected their own proposal <laughs> but uh yeah that has to happen and once that's done it'll be officially ratified which means that it's not just agreed upon but it's put into effect and teams can operate under it that means trades and signings are going to happen Tonight, it's going to be absolutely insane. I'll get into later what the Padres are going to do. You guys are going to be really happy about that. Uh, and then tomorrow, uh, players are allowed to report to spring training. So very immediate. Like, we're getting right into it. This is a this is going to be an amazing day. That's, are that's we still it. going the full 162 with just double headers then? Yes, it's going to be the full 162, and the double headers are going to be nine innings. That's uh, another interesting thing. That's going to be a lot of baseball, and hopefully that doesn't affect the players too much. That's that's a lot of baseball yeah. to play in one day. That yeah, is. Uh, I was I was thinking that if they were going to go that route, what they were going to do was they were going to expand the roster to like, you know, maybe 30 players just to kind of make up for that. But I, I haven't seen anything about that. So I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if 
maybe that's like a hidden detail or something they can work out after the fact. Uh, but yeah. Uh, let me think. Is there anything else uh, of significance? I'm not sure. The only other um, thing I saw was that uh, I don't think there was going to be the runner on second and extra innings anymore. I think that was the only other thing that I saw. Yes. Um, obviously, the other thing is uh, the Players Association gave uh, MLB the, the right to institute rules, I think, with a 45-day notice. And what they said they were going to do, they're going to ban the shift. They're going to make the bases larger, which I don't know if they're going to do that for all of the bases or just first base. They were talking about doing that to start avoiding collisions at first, which I like that idea. I don't necessarily like it for uh, like second, third and home. I think that's just kind of stupid. But first base, like obviously, if you want to avoid collisions, you saw guys like Max Muncy and Garrett Cooper got seriously injured last year on collisions at first base. So, you know, that that could be a good one. And then there's another one. I, I can't can't exactly remember what that third one was, but there was another like, major one. Pitch clock, yeah, that's the other one, which I think they want the pitch clock to be too uh, too short. That's my opinion. But, you know, the union is going to let them institute it. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, it's 30 seconds, right? 30 seconds. I was reading it was uh, it was 19 seconds and 14 seconds oh. with runners on base. I don't know if that's changed, but I think when they first proposed it, that was the those were the terms. Which Ooh. is, yeah, it's like how that that's how the hell, quick. yeah, because uh, you know, I like the 30 seconds because then it gave pitchers time to switch up like their cadence because you know runners on first do read that like okay this guy's going on like a one two three go once he puts the ball in his glove and they usually read off of that yeah. now. Well, I do think it benefits the Padres. You do have a lot of quick guys that like to steal second. I do think it benefits them. And, you especially know, we have Clevenger. Yeah, especially yeah. with Adrian's coming up. And, you know, it doesn't really affect guys like Clev because, you know, as soon as he gets the ball back, he's basically throwing it. But interesting to see how that plays out for some relievers that love to take their time. Yeah. Uh, should you get into international draft? Is that something uh, I think we should cover? Yeah, let's just cover everything. Uh, yeah. So, um, I'm a little shoddy on this because, like, it's kind of, you know, I, I don't even know if they've agreed to all the details on it. So, I'll just kind of go over it real quick with that whole international draft stuff that held up the deal yesterday. So, MLB obviously wants to replace the current signing system for uh dominican and and cuban and Lat other latin american uh minor leaguers uh they want to change it from that signing system to a draft kind of like they have in the united states um uh, a lot of the latin players in the players association aren't in support of that um and on top of that, MLB was kind of tying it to that whole, you know, draft pick compensation. Like if you sign a qualified uh, qualified free agent, then you know you you lose draft pick stuff like that. So it was kind of tied together, and they couldn't come to an agreement on that. But what the understanding they came to today was MLB is going to get rid of that whole draft pick compensation. So like I don't, I'm I'm pretty sure it goes into effect like immediately. So for example, 
had the Padres signed Nick Castellanos prior to the lockout, they would have lost their second and fifth round draft picks, obviously for a team like the Padres who were trying to build that farm system back up, you know, that would kind of suck. Cause you know, you're basically giving up a top 10 and another top 30, 20 prospect um, just to sign him along with the money you're going to pay him. But now there's none of that. I don't know about the financial implications, but there, there's no, uh, you don't lose draft picks over any of that stuff anymore. And in return, they have until July 25th to agree to the, the terms of the international draft. If they can't agree to it, then what's going to happen is there's going to be no international draft. They're going to keep the current system in place. And that whole draft pick compensation system that was uh, in the last CBA, that's going to come back. Uh, so, yeah, All and right. the international draft wouldn't be till 2024, I believe. Yeah, so that gives them some time to structure it out. There is going to be a universal DH. That hasn't changed, thank God. You know, we don't have to watch pitchers hit anymore. That's probably one of the most painful things to do. I mean, especially for Padres fans. We don't have great hitting pitchers and watching like Lamette and them try to swing a bat. Wasn't the prettiest things and was almost guaranteed out. So there's that. So, who do you guys want to see signed tonight? I mean, there's going to be a lot of trades and signings going on tonight. It's going to be a frenzy until the likes we've never seen before. So, Ryan, I know you do your off-season plans and things. Who do you want most tonight? Or just who do you want to see tonight signed with the Padres? Well, first of all, I'm going to put my hand out there real quick. Um, I know who they're probably going to sign tonight, specifically two guys. I have I don't know for sure that these two guys are going to sign. I'm not going to say their names, but I keep being told Preller has moves lined up. They are ready to go as soon as the lockout is officially rat, you know lifted and, and the deal is ratified. So I expect two impact bats tonight. Will Holder, if you're watching this for some reason, you specifically are going to be very happy about this, and that is meant as a big hint. Um. But who do I want is going to be – it's going to be someone I haven't heard connected to the Padres, even though I bet he is. That's Austin Meadows. So I, uh, I I did a whole article about why we should get him for East Village Times. I talked about him in my last offseason plan. So Austin Meadows, you know, he he's a good left-handed power hitter, solid walk rate, doesn't strike out a whole lot. Highest fly ball percentage in the league gives him a pretty high floor in terms of power and home runs. And the most interesting thing is the shift is going to be banned. And he was one of the most impacted players last year by the shift. So if you think about it, you got this guy whose swing is so good that no matter what ballpark he's in, he has a high power floor and he's going to hit for home run. He's going to hit for power. He's going to hit 25, 30 home runs. And now you factor in that not only is he available, but there's going to be a rule implemented that is going to make him a much better hitter because they can't shift against him. I think it's perfect. He fits right there in left field, three years control. We need a left-handed power hitter. I think it's, it's, it lines up perfectly. Uh, the Rays might ask for quite a bit for him, but honestly, I think with the way things are shaping up right now, he could be worth it. He could be a very, very solid middle-of-the-order bat for the next three years. 
You know, that, I kind of agree with you there. The Padres do need a legitimately lefty power bat. We can't rely on Hosmer and Grisham for it. Grisham does have the power for it. He's just a little inconsistent. And, you know, we kind of wanted him to see him to grow this year. So do you have any details about the shift ban and, like, what, how far players can move to the right and how far, I guess, how that affects infield and outfield? Because I know you can't really move an infield player to the outfield, but can you still put a guy behind second base or how's that working out? I, I don't know the details for sure, but I'm just going to take an educated guess. I'm going to assume like, for example, I, I don't think they're going to make it so like there's zones necessarily, but I think like the shortstop and the second baseman can't go on the other side of the, of the bag. That that's what I'm going to assume they're going to do, but I don't know for sure. So, like, I, I think there can be, like, little mini shifts. Like, you know, the first base can move over a little bit, but you can't, like, yeah. say, you know, take Manny Machado and put him over towards second base. Like, I think it has to be, like, they have to stay in the vicinity of their position. Okay. And so for the playoffs, was that ever fully finished, whether or not it was going to be 12 or 14? Yeah, it's going to be 12, which is awesome. All right. Perfect. Could not do it let me check Get my phone real quick, just because I'm getting a lot of notifications. I want to make sure we're not missing something. Uh, it looks like CBT, John Heyman. Yeah. Get Gaio. I don't think the Yankees are going to give him up now, especially with the shift being banned. Yeah. He was one of the biggest advocates for the shift being banned, and now he's just going to kind of do what he does. And now that right field is open to him, he's going to get a lot more extra base hits. I think uh, I think they're gonna add Matt Olson today. That's my prediction for the Yankees. I think they're gonna get a deal done around Oswald Peraza. That's who uh to him here in Oakland wants the most is Peraza and uh their number ten prospect, some some pitcher named I think Yendris Gomez or something. But I think they're gonna get a, a deal done today. With the with the White Sox as the third team, you heard it here first. Sorry. Ooh, White Sox is a third team. All right. How do you feel about Solaire? I'm kind of big on him. I think he could be a good young DH, and if not an emergency left fielder. So I've just kind of been high on him. I see a lot of people kind of like agree, or if you can't get uh, Nelson Cruz, go for Solaire. How do you feel about that? I, I feel like in specific offseason plans, depending on how you're building the roster, I love Jorge Soler. Uh One thing that I've always been enamored with him about is uh, Statcast has this uh, this feature where it shows you expected home runs by ballpark, which basically like it'll track every ball hit by a specific player and uh, map it out in like every park, and it'll tell you like you know if this person played here instead of in their home ballpark, they would have had this many home runs. And Jorge Soler is like seemingly perfectly geared for Petco Park. I think last year he would have had like 45 home runs or something crazy like that. Holy. So, yeah, he, he's uh, he's yeah. built for that. Another guy, now that I'm actually talking about that, um, that I'm, I'm really interested in, in adding this year is Andrew Benintendi because I, I've kind of done a bit of a, a deep dive into him and, you know, how he would fit on this team because obviously he's a one-year rental on the Royals. So, you know, they might consider uh, – Sorry. Okay. I'm checking my phone and everything because I want to make sure like <laughs> nothing like that is happening. Um, 
Uh, where was I? Yeah, yeah, but like you know, he he's obviously probably will be available. He had a slugging percentage over 500 on the road this year. In, oh, in, yeah, and you know, keep in mind he's playing in Kauffman Stadium where you know hitters go to die, and not only that, but you put him in Petco Park that that expected home runs thing uh, from Statcast says he would have had 25 home runs last year. And keep in mind, this is a gold glove outfielder. Yeah, that's kind of exactly what we need in the outfield. We need a guy who is good defensively and can hit over 20 home runs. I mean, AJ's going to take care of that. Oh, yeah, he will. He's going to take care of exactly that tonight. Yeah, he will. For, For the comments, how do you guys feel about Nick Castellanos? I know almost every one of us kind of agrees that we don't want to take on his contract and that is kind of, it would kind of be similar to a Hosmer contract. I see some guys really in favor of it. Some people really not. So where are you guys at with Nick Castellanos since he has been linked to the Padres basically all of the off season. And what about you, Ryan? How do you feel about Nick? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting one. Cause uh, prior to this, the main reason I was opposed was because you would lose the uh, the second and third and fifth round picks for signing him because you received a qualifying offer, and uh, you know obviously I, I wasn't really a fan of that because we have a good draft position this year, and I feel like in our uh, the the spot our organization is in, we shouldn't just throw that away, especially if there's other similar op- options out there. But now that that's been taken away and they've eliminated draft pick compensation. You know, I'm not, I'm not completely opposed to it, Um, but it's really going to depend on how much he gets offered. I know the giants are very interested in bringing them in and they have a lot of money to spend. Um, So it's going to be, it's just going to be based off of money really at this point. Um, Cause you could view it as now that there's no draft picks tied to Castellanos, suddenly teams might be willing to offer him more. It's going to become a lot more attractive to other teams. Uh, The good news is I think the Marlins are out on him. The Marlins are going to be one of the teams that uh, with the new CBA and all the, all the money that ownership is going to have to, you know, give up a little, a little bit more teams like the Marlins and the pirates are, are going to want to take a step back on spending but uh, the Marlins are knee deep in talks for Brian Reynolds, so they could go that direction instead. But for now, you know, Castellanos, I think it's really between us and the Giants, from from what it sounds like. Yeah, uh, you know, I'd much rather go a different direction than Castellanos. I don't like signing an older guy. I know he kind of just had his career year, and that he's very into uh, changing his swing to go along with. Uh, launch angle on like a certain padre who you know who may or may not be gone we'll see hopefully he gets traded uh everyone i believe everyone knows who we're talking about um so lots of things to come lots of trades to be made um so for spring training uh, a lot of new roles to be implemented for spring training uh it's like full on everybody uh, minor leagues get invited and that's going to happen within the next week right it's happening uh, tomorrow, actually. Or tomorrow. So everybody uh, but, in Arizona is basically there already and ready to go. All the minor leaguers, yes. 
Um, the players can report tomorrow. I don't know if everyone will, but starting tomorrow, they're allowed to report. We actually have a, a quick rule change. Um, I don't know who reported this. It just says MLB trade rumors, but uh, they've canceled the Rule 5 draft. Uh, oh. So, yeah, that's that's pretty big. Uh, yeah, wow. Okay. Getting a little interesting that's, now, huh? That's – I was not expecting that. Yeah, wow. So. I guess, you know what, that kind of saves us from having to protect some guys, but hey. Well, the – the kind of crappy part to that is we already did that. You know, we already added Adrian Martinez and Gore yeah. and Stephen Wilson. Could have kept those spots open, but you know, it is what it is. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Let me... All right. Well, Chase, I will ask you the the same question you asked me. Who do you think, or who do you want the Padres to go out and sign this evening? Um, my probably my number one would be Seiya Suzuki. I, I I like him. I like getting talent from overseas, especially kind of with how Otani came around. He was deemed the superstar of Japan and Seiya Suzuki right after that. And we saw what Otani did last year. If we can get him completely healthy, we have a gold glove caliber right fielder or fielder wherever they decide to put them. He's got the speed for it. And I'm really interested to see how his bat plays out in Petco. So he would probably be my number one. And then probably Solaire, just because I think he might be a little bit cheaper of an option compared to Nelson Cruz. And getting rid of Eric Cosmer would be my t- uh, third priority, if not like top trade priority. Tra- trading Eric Cosmer for Eric Cosmer's roster spot. Yeah. It's a great deal. Um, Suzuki, I am very interested in seeing how he does here. Uh, obviously, you've seen you know, very extreme cases where guys like uh, Shogo Akiyama and uh, Yoshitomo Sutsugo will come over and just completely flatline his hitters. But the interesting thing with Suzuki is if you take the same regression you saw in those two guys and applied it to Suzuki and said this is how hard he's going to regress in the major leagues, offensively, like I, I kind of crunched the numbers on this earlier in the offseason. I don't know. I can't remember if you guys uh, brought me on to talk about that or not. But basically, as a hitter, even if he regressed extremely hard like all these other guys, he's still going to kind of resemble like a prime Will Myers with more plate discipline. He's going to hit 240, 250, maybe even 260. He's got 20 to 30 home run power. He's an elite, elite plate discipline and and walk rate, even if it regresses, like, you know, let's say it regresses 4%, which is very significant. He's still in the upper echelon of the league because he's walking at a 16% clip over in Japan. You know, if, if it regresses 4% here, it's 12%. It's up there with like Tommy Pham guys like that. And like you said, gold glove right fielder. He's won four gold gloves in Japan. That's going to come over, you know, and apply really well here. So all things considered in terms of overall value, he might not be the big superstar hitter he was in Japan, but I think you have a solid, you know, three to four war player right there who can provide a little bit of power, get on base, steal some bases, 20 to, to 25 bases a year. 
and contend for gold glove awards in right field, even give Trent Grisham a day off in center every once in a while. So I'm, uh, I'm interested in him too. So some new news came out in the fine, uh, some finer details about the CBA and it mentions a six pick draft lottery. Do you know anything about that? I do not actually. And I've been trying to, uh, to figure out what that is. And like, I, I, it's something, um, to, uh, try to counteract, uh, tanking, but I don't know exactly what it is. There's a lot of really weird rules, um, that they just implemented that are supposed to be anti-tanking measures, but like, I can never like really wrap my head around the specifics of them. But, uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe someone that's, uh, that's listening wants to uh, fill us in or something like that on, on the details. We'd appreciate that. Cause I, I really don't have any idea. I know the NBA does something similar, but I don't know how it works. Cause I don't follow the NBA that much. I know they do a top 10 draft lottery. Yeah. I just don't know how it works. Yeah. Cause I don't know if it's, if it's random or something like that. Um, maybe it's tied to service time. Cause I know they've implemented a couple things like, uh, you know, if you call up a player early and like, you know, you don't manipulate their service time and they win or get high voting in rookie of the year, then, uh, you get some sort of draft pick compensation for that where like the team actually receives draft picks instead of losing them. So that might actually be it. It might be tied to, uh, to service time where like they're rewarding clubs for uh for bringing up prospects early all right that i kind of like that um kind of gets rid of the service time manipulation and then just holding guys down there even though they're way past ready so oh here's a new guy eddie rosario i know he's been rumored a lot more recently with the padres how do you feel about him i know he's probably not your number one choice to go into left field or right field but where are you where are you at with him so i i am not on board with eddie rosario now i i uh i do know like you know i know he's got a lot of power from the left hand side of the plate for somebody of his size you know you don't see a whole lot of you know, 180 pound guys that, you know, hit for power like he does, but he, he does not draw walks. Like he's one of the lowest walkers in the league. Uh, you know, even though he hits, um, you know, 260 or so, and I think some points in his career, 290, 300, uh, he, he doesn't really make up for that with getting on base. And, the biggest thing for me is if you look at his defensive numbers, he is a horrible outfielder. Like, I think he's worse defensively than Jorge Soler. Like, it, it's, oh, wow. it's bad. I'll, I'll look it up right now. Um, if, if you want to. Yeah, please do. Because yeah. I know he was sort of our, like, if we can't get anyone else, Eddie Rosario would kind of just fit in right field nicely at another bat lefty bat he's not our top option but we could do a lot worse and yeah. we even mentioned like if we wanted we can go solaire and have him as an emergency left fielder just because we know he wasn't the greatest defensively but if he's worse than rosario we might want to change our thoughts on that maybe i had him confused with worse than solaire 
Because actually it looks like I was wrong. It looks like he's actually pretty decent in left field. That's interesting. Maybe I had him mixed up with Solaire. Well, it looks like like in the past he's had some really bad years, like in 2019, negative eight defensive runs saved in left field. But recently, you know, last year he had two defensive runs saved in left field. So maybe I was wrong. Maybe he's uh he's actually solid enough in the outfield to uh to warrant consideration. Still still terrible at drawing walks, but you know what? Now that now that I uh I realize I made a mistake there. Um, a little bit more on board with uh, with Eddie Rosario. Um, not a fan of how little he, he walks, but you know, it it could be worse. You know, he he's right. he'll br- he'll bring you that power. Yeah, that's what I got. So I I have a question for you, just because I don't know how the minor league spring training will translate to there now being spring training. So for guys like Jose Castillo, who've already started in the minor league spring training, are they allowed to just jump back up to major league spring training since it's now starting tomorrow? Um, that is a good question. You know, I I, I don't exactly know. Uh, I think yes, because I think everyone who signed with an invite to major league spring training would immediately be eligible to join the major league camp as soon as there is one, even if they already started in the minor league camp. I just want to make sure Castillo is on the 40 man. Cause no, I don't think he's, he's on the 40 man. No, he's not. He's not on the 40 man, but he got a minor league deal with an invite to spring training. Gotcha. So, so then assuming he just jumps right up then tomorrow. All right. Yeah, so that's what I'm gonna assume. Um. Yeah. Well. Uh, Isaac yeah, think... asks, "Fam or Rosario?" Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think I go Rosario. Yeah, I I like Rosario's power, um, over Fam, but like you know the an the analytic, analytic, the analysis, whatever the hell. I, I can't talk right now. I had too much caffeine this morning. Um, the analyst in me <laughs> looks at Tommy Pham's, uh, you know, numbers and says, like, you know, he just got really unlucky last year. But at the same time, like, I think it's just uh, a situation where maybe he just needs a change of scenery. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if he actually wants to come back here. So, I think he'll do. Yeah. I think he'll sign with another team and do great there. But uh, I would go with Rosario probably. Fam just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth the last couple of years. I don't know if I can just invite him back on the team and expect everything to fix itself. Though we do have a new coaching staff, new hitting coach, and everything, so maybe that changes if he comes back. But it's hard to look past the last two seasons he's had with the Padres and be like, "Yeah, I really want him back on this team over another guy that." potentially could have the same if not better power numbers yeah and you know with with fam you do get uh the edge in walk rate which is is pretty significant but if you ask me overall who's going to produce more i think it would be rosario and you know in my opinion it's because fam had a couple of really bad years in san diego and mentally i think he just needs to to move on to another team 
that and I think Rosario is probably just a little bit better of a defender. Yeah. The past two years, they had a lot of problems with his contacts, and he just didn't play that good of a left field. There was a lot of miscommunication with him in the outfield, so I think it's time. He needs some new scenery. I think that'll do him the best. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, – I don't know if you'd go to a competitive team, but I think uh, – honestly, you know who jumps out to me as someone that could sign Tommy Pham? The Rockies. Because they are, they are looking at that outfield market, and you know they're talking to Castellanos and Conforto and Schwarber and guys like this, but I don't think they're going to go get a big-ticket guy like that. I think they're going to sign someone like Tommy Pham who they could be like, you know, we know your ceiling. We're going to give you a good environment to hit in. And, you know, we're going to, if you help us win this many games, we'll help you rebuild your value for next offseason. Right. Uh, I guess we can see who Borna's guy is. Borna definitely wants Nelson Cruz. I know he's been high on all your offseason plans. He's basically been your DH since last year. Like, as soon as the offseason started, you're like, we need Nelson Cruz as a DH. Or we even just need Nelson Cruz as a bat to add. And do you think we get him? You talking to me or you're talking to Borna? Oh, I was talking to you. <laughs> oh, I because I thought like, did you did you just bring Borna in on speaker? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Borna's in the chat. He's welcome to San Diego. Nelson Cruz, boomstick baby. Keep your phones uh, by your side tonight. That's my answer. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So it looks on. like uh, free agency and trades will start around 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. East Coast, because that is apparently when the owners will start to meet to ratify everything. And then right after that is when free agency starts. So we won't know for at least a couple more hours before anything goes down. So everything else right now is just speculation. I'm going to get some beer and tacos. And I am just going to have one hell of a night. I I will agree with you there. Beer and tacos sound amazing right now. Especially with all the news about to come. Oh, yeah. I'm going to kick my feet up, sit on the couch, and just watch it all happen. Maybe we'll even get to break something tonight. Who knows? I doubt it. Because... Um, uh, you know, the, the, the way I normally get info, like, you know, is through the grapevine and Preller has been really, uh, tight lipped this off season. At one point he, uh, he told a couple people I talked to that he's not allowed to talk to players and other teams during the lockout. And we're like, Oh yeah, sure. We're sure you're not talking to other players and, uh, other, other GMs about, about deals. Uh, but yeah, right. so I don't know exactly what he's going to do, but it's going to be a, a big night for him. He's ready to go. Uh, as we all are. Oh, what else is there to talk about? Do you uh, think Abrams comes up at the beginning or do you think he gets called up towards the halfway mark of the season? Remember what I said about how they're uh, compensating teams with draft picks um through right. like uh being more aggressive with their call-ups and stuff like that yeah cj is gonna be on the opening day roster i think i think that's a lock easily um so i, I 
Go ahead. I was going to say, where would he start then? It's it's really going to depend on uh, what they do with uh, with constructing the roster. Um, I'm going to let something slip a little bit right here and just take with it what you will. I don't know who's going to be playing first base next year. And uh, that's kind of what I figured. I, I kind of felt like the answer is move Cronenworth over to first, try to get rid of Eric Hosmer and slide over Abrams the second. That's kind of what we all agreed upon, but we just didn't yeah. know if it was going to happen. Now, now what I'm because I have talked with somebody with knowledge about the situation with uh, with CJ Abrams. So, one possible plan is obviously, like you just said, move Cronenworth over to first base, have a big bat at DH like Nelson Cruz, and then you platoon CJ Abrams with Hassan Kim. But it is possible that Abrams gets brought up and just stays primarily a bench bat. Because there could be somebody standing at first base next year that will make the lineup very inflexible because their bat needs to be in the lineup every day. Oh, Entity, hint, hint. <laughs> well, that can mean a few people, and uh, people can speculate in the comments. We'll Second. see whether that means a trade or a free agent signing. We do not know. Only Ryan does. I doubt it's a trade for Matt Olson. The Yankees seem very adamant at getting him. Uh, I mean, they look like they're ready to give up the farm for Matt Olson and, you know, really try to compete and be Yankees. You know, always trade for the big guy. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, hopefully get something right here. I'm going to try to slip in a little, little bit of, uh, of knowledge and see if I can come back to this and take a victory lap. I heard today that. The A's are obviously planning to trade Matt Olson tonight, or at least come close to a deal, and that they want the White Sox involved in that trade because they like Gavin Sheets, and they think he can be their first baseman of the future. So if Gavin Sheets goes to the Oakland A's, Friar Talk, live. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. It's probably not going to happen now they said it, but. You know, whatever. So I feel like this is an interesting question, especially since we just mentioned Abrams. Mm -hmm. uh, we basically saw half a season of Tatis before he got hurt in Double A, and he made the opening day roster with how he impressed in spring training. Um, I don't see why Abrams can't do the same thing. Um, like I said, I think it really just depends on his spring training and everything, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to make the roster though. We have good reason to believe that he will. Um, so this is, this is what I understand about the situation. So number one, they feel like even though CJ Abrams has not had a lot of experience in the minor leagues, that he is talented enough, like overall all around, especially with his contact skills that, he can come up, and even if he struggles a little bit at the beginning, that eventually he can adapt to Major League Pitching very quickly. They feel like he's that good. On top of that, they are also interested in adding like kind of a, a faster plus speed guy to the bench and you know getting that into the mix. 
And the thought in the organization is, why would we go out and sign somebody like that when we can just call up C.J. Abrams early? And if he has a good year, then hooray, we get extra draft picks. That seems to be the the thought process behind uh, Abrams making the opening day roster. I can't guarantee he's going to do that, but it seems like with everything, uh, with all the factors, and especially considering how aggressive A.J. Preller is with this call-ups, like you saw with Fernando Tatis Jr. and Chris Paddock not even going to AAA, um, I, I really think that if Abrams has a good camp, that they will put him as that 26th man on the roster. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen it with a lot of guys more recently. I don't think Gallo, he may have had like a couple games in triple A or in double A. Juan Soto, I didn't don't think played a game in double A. He played in single A. A couple of Yankees pitchers didn't make it past double A. They came straight up from single A. It doesn't necessarily matter how long you've been in the minor leagues. If a team deems that you have the talent to make a opening day roster, they will move you from anywhere in the minor leagues up. Yeah. So it just really depends on the team's confidence in them. Um, I have not heard any news about Abram's speed being hampered by his injury. It was put out, I believe, last month that he was completely healthy and that he was ready to go back to complete baseball activities. He was like, uh, he was no longer on a leash on what he can and can't do. He was completely healthy last time I saw. I haven't seen anything about his speed being affected. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about any part of his play being uh, affected by his injury last year. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he's uh, he's ready to go. So we'll see. Yeah. Freddie, Freddie Freeman's less than a 0% chance of being a Padres because they're stuck on Eric Cosmer's contract. Like it or not. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We'll see. There has been a lot of rumors about Eric Hosmer being traded, possibly with Campusano, if not someone else, just to get rid of his contract. And I think the Padres are on board of it because of what they saw last season. Eric Hosmer sort of quit on the Padres. He hasn't been the best first baseman. He was like the worst first baseman, probably defensive-wise and slugging-wise in the all of the MLB. And you can't win with a guy like that on your team. I'm not going to respond to what he said. <laughs> Hope we sign Suzuki Bell or Schwarber. No more big names, please, AJ. I like Suzuki and Schwarber. We'd have to trade for Bell. Uh, I think it's a good trade. So who would you prefer more, Schwarber or Suzuki? Because they both kind of play outfield and are in lefty bat. That is very tough. I am going to say Kyle Schwarber just because I feel like uh, he's more of a, a sure thing in terms of offensive production. Um, can't say that about Suzuki. You know, there there is a chance that Suzuki comes over and he doesn't just fail, but like, you know, completely falls flat and is like a, a you know, a 600 OPS guy. It probably won't happen, but there's still that chance. I don't think there's that chance with Kyle Schwarber. Right. The only difference is you're trading off a little bit of defense with Schwarber because he's a little slower of a guy compared to Suzuki. That's basically the only trade off there. Believe it or not, um, Kyle Schwarber was better defensively in the outfield last year than Nick Castellanos and Will Myers. 
So keep that in mind. I, 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 I believe that. Nick yeah. Castellanos was not a great defender on the Reds, and that makes that's also why I don't want him. He'd marry DH making a lot of money, and I just don't want that. Sorry, just making sure that uh, we're not missing anything. Um, I know my yeah. phone keeps buzzing like crazy too. Speaking of Will Myers, we'll see on him. Um, they will try to trade him if they get an opportunity to do so. Um, and they feel like they have the right deal to appropriately move that money off of the books. However, I think that they will have no problem with moving him to left field because if you look at his defensive splits, much, much better left fielder than a right fielder. So, uh, you know, I, I think uh, if they decide to keep Myers and they don't find a, a deal they like to move his contract, they'll put him in left field and they'll sign a, a stronger defensive right fielder. Definitely. Oh, so I'm, we kept mentioning this last year. Like, why aren't they playing Myers in left field? Is it just because Tommy Pham was there and they didn't feel comfortable with Pham playing right field? That's what I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. cause, cause I, I, I genuinely think Pham would have been even worse than right field. So. Yeah. I, it's kind of hard to believe it, but at the same time, watching fam play left field made you wonder how well he would have played right field because there was a lot of miscues a lot of drop balls that could have been right in front of him could have made a play there's the miscommunication with uh Ha-Seon kim that one time yeah. it really makes you wonder yeah especially so, i i keep saying this is uh playing right field in petco park is basically like it's like a mini center field you know it's it's a lot more difficult in terms of like the dimensions to play than left field. You know, there's a lot more ground to cover, especially in that right center field gap. So, you know, that's why I feel like a stronger defensive option in, in right field is, is definitely a good way to go um, this off season and, and moving Will Myers over to left field. Cause you know, then you're upgrading significantly with your outfield defense, those two moves. So there's been a lot of question about the robo-umps. I know they have been implemented in the minor leagues. Do you think they're going to get implemented in the MLB? When, if not, what do you think? 2023, that's my guess. Enjoy the MLB. All right. Isaac, stop. Just stop it. Don't ever, don't ever bring that up. All right. Leave Will Myers out of this. He said Stone accused Will Myers of betting on MLB big, uh, MLB games. I beg. He's not Calvin Ridley. Stop it. Oh, Matt asked, "Do you think Schwarber is the best free agent bat available?" No, no. Um, who would even be the best free agent bat available? Uh, in terms of pure hitting, I'd say Freddie Freeman is the best uh, overall bat available. Best overall position player is easily Carlos Correa. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of rumors for Correa, and hopefully he doesn't go to the Dodgers. I know he was rumored there for a quick second. I doubt it's going to be there because it's kind of like, 
why would you sign the guy that kind of robbed you from a World Series? But at the same time, I could see them doing it because it is the Dodgers. I think you'll be playing in Los Angeles, but not the part of Los Angeles you think. Oh, okay. I have Big seen that. I have seen a lot of angels. I've seen angels. Somebody mentioned Cubs earlier. I think at the beginning of the uh, live stream, he said <laughs> Cubs and Correa. I I don't think anyone's going to go to the Cubs right now. I don't know what the hell they're doing. I I I don't. The Cubs are having the weirdest off season I have ever seen. They they are very close to dealing Wilson Contreras. I heard uh, Cleveland might actually take a shot at him, which is weird because Cleveland doesn't normally do rental guys. But, uh, you know, they, they signed Jan Gomes to trade Wilson Contreras, but then they signed Marcus Stroman to this weird deal. And it's like, I, I'm not the biggest tanking guy, but it's like you have to make a commitment to what direction you want to take your franchise if you just keep going along this line of like, we're going to keep signing these guys to big deals, but we're not going to try to necessarily contend. You're just going to stay in like that 70 win column for a longer period of time. If you just committed to building towards a specific window, I don't get what they're trying to do there. I really don't. It kind of feels like what the 2015, 2016 Padres were. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, I, I think like 2015, the Potters were definitely trying to win a little bit more than the Cubs were. I think like with the Cubs, like there's kind of an understanding where it's like we're not trying to contend for the division. We'll do it if we accidentally like make the playoffs. Um, but it, you're right. It, it's kind of the same thing where like they know they're not re- – they don't really have a shot, but they don't want to piss off the fans, so they're going to keep – you know, shelling out a little money and, you know, bringing in a big guy like, like Marcus Stroman. But, you know, I, I personally don't think it's a good strategy. You saw what happened with the Padres after that whole 2015 thing. Yeah. I think yeah, that, same thing. That was, that was not pretty. No, yeah, that was, yeah, that, Hi, Max that Reed. Set us back years. <laughs> yeah. And the Cubs, honestly, they're in a worse position than the Padres were at that point. So, Yikes. Does not look good for them, in my opinion. Yeah, no, no, it doesn't at all. Oh, somebody asked if Schwarber could play first base. I know he used to catch and he played outfield, but I haven't seen him at first, have I? I played a little first for Boston this year, but I don't know if he was actually that good. I mean, he could in emergencies, but, like, I would rather put him in left field than first base. It's just my opinion. He's not that bad for left field. Yeah, I I don't like the idea of signing someone to play first base if they really never played it, especially in this season, since, you know, they probably haven't had the most time to prepare for it, especially considering spring training starts tomorrow and everybody still needs to sign within the next week. So. Wait, hold on. What? What's the rule for draft? Mark Mark Feinson just tweeted out something about a rule four draft. What the hell is that? Oh God, what is going on here? Top three hundred players will be available will be eligible to participate in a tree tree. God, I cannot talk today. Great day to do a live stream. Um, in a 
in a pre-draft combine. And then there's something called, I don't think this is official, but it would be hilarious if it was, called the Kumar Rocker Rule, where the top three underdraft players who submitted to a pre- I almost said tree draft combine again. Holy crap. Tree <laughs> draft physical must be offered at least 75% of their slot value associated with the selection. That's amateur draft. Um, okay, that's not like a big deal. Mo- <laughs> Mojave Desert tweeting out uh, Potters are trading Eric Hosmer to the the Rangers, that a boy, Javi. Get those scoops, Javi. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the Kumar Rucker thing was very interesting. I don't know. He was supposed to sign with, was it the Mets? The Mets. Right? And the Mets didn't have enough money, apparently. I thought it was because he had the uh, elbow thing, or is that what they tried to play it off as? I think that's what they tried to play it off as, but... The the Mets offered him like a lot less than he wanted, and he walked. And then his elbow blew up in college this year because what he he was sitting like ninety three this year in college. You know he's projected to not even go in the first round. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, you know he'd still be a nice gamble on though if he gets his elbow straight. He's a pretty nice guy to have in your rotation. If not didn't work out but i've always been a fan of kumar rucker yeah I, I i am too and one of the the most annoying things is you know i i've kind of been trying to get locked in on the draft a little early this year and uh you know talk about who the padres should take and obviously i want them to go get a, a college starter because they got some pretty weak uh rotation depth outside of the major leagues and it would be nice to have somebody you know you don't have to develop that much and you'd bring them out of the first round and, you know, maybe they could be in the rotation next two or three years, like, you know, a, a Max Meyer type guy. Um, but all of a sudden, all the top guys like Peyton Palais, I think is his last name, uh, was the top college starter. And he gets Tommy John blade Tidwell gets hurt. I think he's a reliever now Landon Sims, who is terrifying. I think has some sort of injury now. I don't know when he's going to be able to come back. Uh, Connor he's Freilich, the guy with the nasty slider, right? Oh yeah, he's he is like I think he's like something like a ninety percent strikeout rate or something crazy like that. He's only pitched like twenty innings, but like he struck at almost every batter he's faced. Uh, Connor Prelip was a big like he was one of the guys I wanted the Padres to take. He's just got this. He's like a a Kershaw type almost um, where he, he has like a 90, 95 mile per hour fastball, but he's got this 90 mile per hour slider that like a guy that doesn't throw above 95 shouldn't be able to have. Um, but, you know, I think he got hurt too. So it's, it's just kind of getting ridiculous. I think uh, our best bet at this point is Carson Weisenhunt who has uh, got a good changeup, but you know, he's not very remarkable other than that. So that uh that definitely sucks for us because you know the one year where we needed a college starter, all of a sudden all the top starters in the draft class just get hurt one after another. Though you know we did take two guys who may or may not make an impact. Uh, Robert Gasser has looked pretty good, and Kevin Cops 
I don't know where he's going to play at, if he's going to be a starter or a reliever, because he really only has the fastball and cutter, right? Or cutter slash slider, depends on how he throws it. He's a really weird pitcher. So, like, his cutter is, like, three different pitches. It's, like, yeah, you know, he's got, like, a, a kind of horizontal, like, more traditional cutter. He's got kind of, like, a hybrid, like, mid-80s, you know, slider. And then he's got, like, this more 12 to 6 slider that's in the lower 80s. Um, so, he's really interesting. He's got a fastball, tops out in the low 90s. Crappy curveball, crappy changeup. You know, he's not like I don't know if he could be a starter. Maybe like a multi-inning reliever, like a Craig Stammen type. Um, we'll see. Robert Gasser is one of my favorite Padres prospects. I'm so glad you brought him up. I think every single scouting report on him is too low. Uh, I you know watching this guy, it's not necessarily about the stuff he has. It's where he throws it. I think his command is phenomenal. He throws his fastball up all the time. Slider, you know, uh, he's a lefty, so it would be his his glove side and change up on his arm side. And it's just every single pitch is located exactly where he needs to be. And so, you know, the results have, have reflected that so far with him too. Yeah, that, he's been one of the guys I've been more high on. I also just love his name, Robert Gasser, as a pitcher. You know, it's what more could you want? And one, we don't have a lot of lefty guys that are up and ready in the system. So taking a good college arm, I think, was the best thing they ever could do last year. So for uh, Huang Hun Kim, unfortunately, he went back to Korea. So it was just announced like a couple days ago too, I believe. So if he had just went, yeah. So he's unfortunately not available. Gil has a point. If we don't take the top college arm, you know, he's taking the best prep player there is. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. Um, There's a guy, I think his name is Cole Young, something like that. But like, if you, if you look at him, and like you read a scouting report, you're like, this is AJ Preller's guy. He's a shortstop, 60 grade hitter, 40 grade powder, left hander. Um, like he, he's basically CJ Abrams, but like a little bit shorter. So like I, yeah, I that think sounds like Preller's guy. <laughs> yeah, that, I I'm I saw his scouting report and I'm like, we're taking this guy, <laughs> whether I like it or not. He is a Padre already. Yeah, it was kind of like the same thing with Merrill Kelly. It was like Merrill Kelly was our first round pick, and then you look at James Wood, you're like, shouldn't have James Wood been the first round pick out of all of this? You got the wrong wrong Merrill, Jackson Merrill. Oh, Jackson Merrill, yeah, yeah, Jackson Merrill. And you looked at it, you're like, I feel like James Wood should have been that first round pick with all the tools he had, but you went with Jackson Merrill. That was I wasn't a fan of that pick. I like Jackson Merrill's potential. You know, he's a Big, big kid. He's got a nice frame. Uh, underrated raw power. Uh, could easily develop five tools. Be like a um, what one guy? I uh, sorry, I'm making sure we're not missing anything. Um, one guy I think he could potentially grow into, even though I don't think he'll get this level of power, is uh, Brandon Lau from the the Rays. 
definitely reminds me a lot of him, but I don't think he's ever going to hit 40 home runs, obviously. But, you know, just like one of the, like one of those bigger left-handed middle infielders, like a Gregorius type. All right. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a day. What a day. Someone mentioned Granky, but the Padres are in his no trade list. And Chris Bryan has come up. Ooh, mm. that's. I know we've mentioned him. We talked about him, how we it could potentially work, him playing left field. It just really depends on the amount of money he would want for his contract. And at that point, it might not be worth it. It seems uh, I, I think he might go to Seattle. They seem to like him a lot. Um, and I'm personally pretty concerned with, with bringing him in because remember, you know, what we talked about earlier in the live stream with, uh, with Jorge Soler was, uh, Statcast has him hitting, you know, 10, 12 more home runs in Petco park. Brian, I believe is the opposite. I believe, you know, he's closer to like 23, 24 home runs, um, in Petco park. Uh, I, maybe even, even lower than that. Uh, you know, I remember seeing that. So I don't necessarily know if I like Chris Bryant more than I do other guys that are that are currently free agents. I, I personally would rather go in another direction, but it's possible. We're definitely interested in them. Uh, what else uh, what was the other question other than Bryant? Is that Grinky? Uh, it was about Grinky, but apparently Grinky is on the Padres no trade or he has a no trade clause towards the Padres. Uh yeah, and and my other thing, and I've talked about this a lot is I'm I'm not going to assume Seidler is going to let Prelli go over the luxury tax even though I've heard kind of like a, you know, if if the situation's right he will. Um but I'm going to assume Seidler wants to stay under the luxury tax. Let, let's like, you know, have a little bit of a reality check right now. The luxury tax is 230 million. That's that's the, basically the cap for the Padres is 230 million. Right now they're at 214 because Nick Martinez is that, that deal is going to get done immediately, just pending a physical. Um, so yeah, you could trade Eric Cosmer, trade you know Caratini, Pagan, and you know get down closer to 200 million, but. Consider the fact that, you know, we just signed Nick Martinez. We're getting Mike Clevenger back. We just, you know, added three pretty good, in my opinion, bullpen arms and Suarez, Garcia, and Kerr. Um, and our lineup was 21st in slugging last year. And the most we've done to address it is Jorge Alfaro. Yeah. So all of that considered, let's say we have, you know, when all said and done, we have somewhere around 20 to 30 million dollars to spend. I cannot see why we should commit 10 million dollars of that to someone like Zach Granke who might not even make the rotation and just leave massive gaping holes in the lineup. You got to have a well-rounded team and yeah, there might still be some concerns in the pitching staff, but I guarantee you there are much much bigger concerns with the lineup right now than the pitching staff. 100%. So uh, I'm not a, not a fan of, you know, Grinky, Pineda, anyone in that, you know, $10 million a year range. If you're going to get someone 
bring in like uh, Stephen Brault. He's not great. He kind of sucks, but he's a local kid from San Diego. He's had some slight MLB success in the past. He's going to cost you like a million dollars maybe. He'll have no problem sitting in AAA. He'll eat up innings if there's like, you know, massive injuries. Go get someone like that and commit the vast majority of your financial resources to improving this, let's be honest, pretty garbage lineup outside of the top three. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you with that. Any last question you guys have, go ahead and post them right now. Um, Since spring training is coming around, Mackenzie Gore, I know he's probably going to be one of the biggest storylines coming in. There hasn't been much news on him since, considering the lockout and everything. I don't think anything's happened in minor league spring training. I haven't seen any reports on him. Do you expect him to make the jump, considering we have a new pitching coach, a new uh, head of kind of the farm system for player development? Or what do you expect out of him this upcoming spring training? You know, it's hard for me to say what exactly I expect from him. But, you know, if we want to, you know, look at the facts of of where he's at. At his lowest point these past two years, not only was he pitching with absolutely no command, but, you know, his fastball was like 89 to 91 at at his worst lowest point. Like, you know, the velocity was gone. uh, The command was gone. it, It was just terrible. When he last pitched, I think, in the Arizona Fall League, uh, you know, he was playing against some pretty good bats like, you know, Juan Yepes from uh, St. Louis and and guys like that. But the velocity was back big time. You know, he was touching 98, might even hit 99 once or twice. You know, uh, he was looking more comfortable with the changeup and the slider and mixed in a couple curveballs. The command definitely was not there. You know, he had a couple outings where he walked four or five guys in two innings. Um, But the good news is he's made that progress. You know, it's no longer he's at his lowest point. He still has that top of the rotation stuff. It's just the command that's the issue now. And there is nobody, in my opinion, in a major league baseball more geared to fixing those mechanical issues, causing his command problems than Ruben Niebla. You know, he's he's a mechanic specialist. You hear it from... Every success story out of the the Guardians uh, minor league pitching development system over the past 10 or so years that he makes these adjustments to people's mechanics that they never even thought of. And just out of nowhere, they completely transform who they are as pitchers. So I'm very optimistic that you could get the Mackenzie Gore that we've always wanted by the end of the season. I don't know if you'll necessarily be that number one. But you're going to, if Niebla is able to get that command a little bit more under control, you've got that lefty that hits 99, that's got three plus secondaries, um, and sky's the limit for him. I I completely agree. And that's why I was so hyped about the Niebla signing. You know, you can get Paddock somewhat back to depending on his health, there still hasn't been a whole lot of clarity into that other than he went out last season towards the end, didn't come back, was suspected to be an elbow injury, if not UCL. Never heard anything the entire offseason, so still there. No, but having, there, you know, 
was a minor update on that, actually. I think he uh, partially tore his UCL, and they gave him a... a the PRP shot? Yeah, yeah, the PRP shot. Uh, and they're... They like they like his chances, but you know they said that about Denelson Lamette last year. So they also Not said really. that about um, who's the dog door? The dog door. Jacob Nix. Jacob Nix. I was like, it's Nix. It's something Nix. I can't remember his name. Yeah, he did yeah, the same thing, the and he had. Then you know he had Tommy John. It worked for Lament one time, but it didn't work bef- the time before that. He had to end up having Tommy John. Yeah. So, you know. So, our last few questions here. What is your guys' lineup one through five with a free agent signing for the DH? Go ahead. Could you uh, repeat that one more time? Sorry. Your uh, batting order one through five with the free agent signing for the DH. Okay, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to spill it then. Um, batting first, Fernando Tatis Jr. Batting second, Jake Cronenworth. Batting third, Manny Machado. Uh, batting fourth, uh, Nelson Cruz. Batting fifth, geez, I don't know, Austin Meadows. Sorry, not to, to spill anything. <laughs> So, I will probably put Grisham at one, Cronenworth at two, keep Tatis at three, Machado at four, and then I'll probably go Cruz instead of Soler. I think he's a better bat than Soler. If we go for a multi-year deal, I prefer Soler. So, either Cruz or Soler at five for me. If not, you can put Machado at five and then Cruz or Soler at four. I think that's the best way for me. Are you willing to put three righties in a row like that, though? Oh, good point. Yeah, that's why. That's why I ha- always have like a, yeah. a tough time putting together a batting order for us because you gotta you gotta break up. You, you know, it, to break it up. Yeah, so I normally put Tatis first and Cronenworth second. It's just yeah. easier for me that way. You know, actually, we'll go with Schwarber at DH in that way. It's <laughs> a good idea. God, we need another lefty bat. <laughs> Maybe Conforto, but the White Sox really like Michael Conforto. So, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's where he's going to go. Uh, All right. Any last-minute questions before we head off for the night? Uh, Ryan, any last thoughts you want to get out there? Um, Enjoy the show tonight because – you know, there's going to be a lot of things happening. I'm just checking up right now. Um, I I think that AJ Preller is going to sign an outfielder and a designated hitter tonight. Um, and I think he might make a certain trade that we're all looking forward to. But I don't know any of this specifically. Um, like, you know, this is... This offseason has been a little bit different for me because I haven't been able to find out moves that are definitely happening. I don't know if it's the lockout or if Preller's just doing damage control because there's a 
gray faceless person on Twitter that likes to leak his trade ideas and stuff like that. Um, named Judd, but <laughs> yeah, I, I gen, by the way, I genuinely think that the reason Preller has been so like, uh, reserved this off season and, and not letting stuff slip is because last year he had a couple things get leaked before they were done and it kind of screwed him over. So yeah, but I think an outfielder and a DH will be signed tonight. And I think that a certain somebody could be traded, but I don't know any of that for sure. It's just, you know, from, from what I've gathered, there seems to be a consensus of, of what he will do tonight. All right. And with that, uh, Khalil Mack is now a Charger. I know it's not baseball news, but anyone who's a Chargers fan, that's huge. Uh, free agency does start at 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. It's right after the owners uh, ratify the CBA agreements. I don't think we go after Zach Davies, even though he'd be a nice, cheap option. And Freeman really might leave Atlanta, depending on the contract that is offered between Atlanta and some other teams. Yeah, yeah. And go ahead. Go ahead. Um I I do think Freddie leaves Atlanta. I think Atlanta goes elsewhere. Um for first baseman. And not because uh they want to let Freddie walk, but I think that there's gonna be another team that offers him more what he's looking for. Maybe even the Dodgers, unfortunately, but we shall see. And with that, you know, we got baseball back. We're all looking forward to a great season. And you know what? Grab some beers, tacos, pizza, whatever you guys want to do to celebrate tonight. We get some free agents and trades tonight. All right. With that, everyone have a good day. Uh, and this was Real quick, Chase, Chase. I have a, oh, I have a oh, quick ahead. proposal for you. If a certain somebody um, gets traded tonight, you and I should do another live stream if you're available. And... You know that song where it's like, Say... no, wait, no, wait. we're going to do the na-na-na-na, hey-hey-hey, goodbye song just oh, on okay. loop. We won't even talk. We'll just sit here and, and play right. that song on loop and just have a great time because we uh, we know who I'm talking about. Yeah. I think Isaac will be available. I'm not sure if Matt will be. We'll see. But, yeah, that would be a great time. All right. Yes. And with that, everybody, have a nice day, and let's celebrate because baseball's back.